Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu, and Oren Klopper, CEO of NetSureIt, uh, joins us today. I'm very excited for the topic we have because I think it's a very important topic within a professional services where the people are the heart and soul of the organization and their success depends on the people. And, and I found through my research of uh, NetSureIt and Oren that that is center and, and uh, foremost the focus in their organization and the reason for their success. So we're going to dive in and understand that a little bit more. Orin is going to take us through this concept of dream book. I love it. And, and I'm sure the listeners are going to love it too. Uh, so welcome, Orin. Thank you for joining us today. What an absolute pleasure, Bonnie. Do you want to take a few minutes before we dive in and tell us about you, yourself, your history, and then nature it, please? Yes, uh, for sure. So as you mentioned, I filled the CEO role of NetSureIt. I'm a dad of a, a three-and-a-half-year-old girl. Her name is Luca. You know, I'm crazy about her. I have an amazing life partner. I live uh, between Johannesburg and New York. Apart from some unusually entrepreneurial things I did in the early stages of my university, NetSure is the only real job I've ever had. You know, I'm 48 now. I've been doing this full-time since 1997, and I'm having more fun and uh, growing faster than I ever have before, so I feel very blessed and grateful. That's amazing. So I wanted to start off by a statement that I found from you that really represents, I think, uh, sort of your philosophy. I'm going to read it verbatim and then ask you to sort of expand on it. And we restart the conversation around your philosophy in this area. The quote that I found says, uh, surround yourself with the dreamers and the doers, the believers and thinkers, but most of all, surround yourself with those who see greatness within you. And that's um, by Edmund Lee. And then you do uh, expand on that and you say, why do we do what we do? How do we believe we truly make a difference in the lives of our people and our clients? The answer lies in our cause, supporting the dreams of the doers. I just love that. Like I get goosebumps whenever I read that. I think that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what that uh, says to you and what it means for Natura in your culture there. No, I also get goosebumps when I hear you saying it. And, you know, I've done, <laughs> I don't know, I must have done about 30 podcasts. And, uh, you know, you start with the thing that excites, inspires me, and it's kind of at the heart of my life's purpose. <laughs> what a great place to start. I always think back on, on my entrepreneurial journey and in my life in general. People have given me chances at times when I didn't necessarily believe I would get them or I didn't believe I necessarily deserved them. There's just this list of people that have, you know, opened doors for me or have believed in me. And it still continues to happen to this day, which uh, is something I'm so, so deeply, deeply grateful for. You know, I was chatting to a friend the other day and he was going through a difficult time with one of his friends. I almost see it being a quote representing one of the values in my life. And we were just discussing the challenge he was having with this friend. And, and I just, you know, I just read it to him and I said, is this person a believer in you or are they judging you or, you know, and you can kind of look in your life at people around you and see whether they're, they're believers or not. And, um, 
in 2004, I came across a life journaling tool called Map for Life by a guy called Glenn McGuirk. So he's a preacher and an engineer. So you combine those two things and you've got a legendary human being. And he came up with an engineering view of how to achieve your goals and dreams in your life. But when you look at it, it looks as thick as a Bible. So if you're not that way inclined, it's going to be a bit too much. And I found that out quite soon. So we had an incident in 2004 where one of our top engineers, who's now in New York, this was in South Africa at the time, burnt out. He was sitting in front of a server. He wasn't talking. He wasn't typing. He had a full-on breakdown, overworked, just you know, doing late nights and so forth. And that. And so that kind of planted the seed for me that if we're going to build something significant, we need a culture that's going to encourage people to not only do great work, but actually be balanced, be present and active in their relationships, be healthy and manage that balance. So the Map for Life journaling tool, I tried to roll it out in the business. It was too cumbersome. Nobody really took to it. Nobody really enjoyed it. Then I attended a program at MIT where one of the lecturers mentioned the book by Matthew Kelly called The Dream Manager. I read this book and I absolutely loved it. And it's a story about how they brought this idea of pursuing your goals and dreams into the workplace culture and not just your work, but your personal goals and dreams. And then we did, I did another short program at Stanford and Simon Sinek came and facilitated a group we were with. It was unbelievable how he did it. I mean, he, he literally, he asked volunteers, this guy stood up, huge burly Texan guy, type of guy, when he shakes your hand, your hand has been <laughs> shook, you know? Yeah. And this guy was, he had tears running down his cheek within, I think it was like in under three minutes, just through Simon asking questions to get him to those seminal moments in his life that have defined his purpose and where he's going. And then we engaged with this amazing, amazing uh, marketing consultant. Her name's Joanne Smolin and said, we really want to take our vision and mission and collapse it into a real purpose statement. And it was from that quote that, so she showed that quote and then she put up supporting the dreams of the doers. And when I initially read it, she, I know she saw it in my face, she says, don't judge it straight away, just wait for it. Like, just let, you got to sleep on this. You know, it's become so ingrained in our DNA, we actually went through a huge rebrand where they really wanted to change it. And it just didn't feel right. We've had supporting the dreams of the doers as our purpose since 2010. And you know, the funny thing is, if I look at where it came from, the heart of it came from the people and the aspirations of our culture, followed by the idea that if you find key and keep great people, you can do amazing things for your clients. And then, so out of that, how do we take our knowledge of technology and their business and really have an impact? And now as we've leaned into our M&A strategy, it's one of the things that's resonating the most. These entrepreneurs that are considering a next chapter in their journey and are contemplating a home for their people that have traveled this journey, it's resonating so deeply. I feel very grateful to have arrived at this place. But look, it's not perfect. Our dreams program is not perfect. It's not for everybody as well. I'll tell you that much because we expect people to be very vulnerable and engage. And that's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. But the fact that it's it's something you're aspiring to. It's it's the basis of your culture. I, I I really do admire that. I think that's amazing. I do feel it's important to ask you a little bit more about Natured and what they do and how many employees you have because I think the rest of our conversation uh, is going to be dependent on that. Of course, uh, we have about three hundred and thirty people, and uh, the core of what we do is 
we provide a managed service to our customers. Our ideal customer profile is sort of 25 to 1,000 user environments. Predominantly, Microsoft technology is where we focus, and that's where our skill set lies. We either are their operational IT department or we augment their IT department. So maybe just to define the scope a bit further, we don't do any CRM, ERP type solutions, but a lot of the rest of the technology stack we either take care of or we take care of the partner that fulfills that in our customer. So your business is highly dependent is your people. There's no product that you're selling. Yeah. It's so you're in the people business. So with that, you came up with the idea of a dream book to expand on the cultural element that we just talked about. So tell us about dream book. The dream book was quite a lot of elements that fed to the final incarnation of a dream book in net shirt. So it was Glenn's map for life journal. (laughs) This is too cumbersome. And then Matthew Kelly's Dream Manager, and then Tony Schwartz and Jim Lewis' book, The Power of Full Engagement, which was way ahead of its time when it was released. What I saw was the Map for Life tool has got the maths and science from start to finish of goal setting and execution. And there's a section in it where you visualize it. So you, in his, in the old version, you cut out pictures of magazines and you stick it in. I want to have another, another child. And then I would stick pictures of, you know, that in. What a dream book is now, and I'll kind of give you the output and what the input looks like, but it's literally your top 10 personal goals and dreams visualized. And it's a PowerPoint presentation, a PowerPoint deck. Some people do videos and do different things and they can do whatever they want. It's their dream book. One does one dream board. So it's your personal goals and dreams, and that can include your career goals You might not have a single career goal in there. You might have multiple family goals. Some people, for whatever reason, choose not to put a certain goal in because it's shared publicly. There's a public folder where everybody's dream books are. So, you know, we've got people in Poland. We've got people in the UK. We've got a lady in our marketing team in Peru. We've got people in Philippines, South Africa, you know, across the U.S. It's part of how we interact. It's part of how we connect. So the process is very simple and you've probably heard of it. Take the wheel of life, the eight spokes wheel of life. Rate yourself out of 10. So health and fitness, financial, family, your spiritual. And then you brainstorm as if there were no limits. What would you like to achieve in those respective parts of your life? So you might end up with 80 or 100 goals. And then it takes you through a process of prioritizing and deciding on your top 10. And then you visualize it. The other part of the program that we have so we don't manage the execution and we try and keep it light. There's a dreams week in advance. We built a small software app where you capture on a Monday morning before 12, what are the three to five things you want to get done this week, no matter how crazy it gets to make progress, you get put into a dream group, which is anywhere between six to 12 people in the business. Someone there volunteers as a dream coach and you get trained is a whole lot of training. And it's to become a line manager or a team leader in nature, you have to have been a dream coach for a year. We believe good leaders and managers need to be great coaches. And good leaders and managers need to know and understand what their people want in their lives. I don't say that in a way that it must pry and be invasive. But, you know, I'm sure in your career, when you think back in the leaders and managers you've worked for, and the ones that you're still in touch with today and that they really cared about you. 
They knew what mattered for Banu and where she was going, what your family dynamic was. So we expected to live in our line management relationship as well. It's that authenticity, right? It's not just a process, a formal process that you put a tick box around. When you make it a cultural revolution, evolution, it's, it becomes authentic, right? It becomes part of the heart and soul of the organization. And that's what I love about your story. There's something that happens when someone shares with another person in an honest and authentic way more about themselves and what they want in their lives. There's something in the human spirit that just makes you connect. I try not to do it, but you still, you meet someone and you think you know them. Oh, I know that kind of person, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a member of YPO and you get some of the most successful people in the world have some of the greatest imposter syndromes, some of the greatest challenges. And what the Dreams Program does, it just makes us all human. I'll tell you a quick story about how I used the dream book on, on Tuesday. I had 25 meetings in two days, which I've never done in my life before, at the Canaccord Growth Equity Conference in Boston with private equity firms because at some point in our journey, we want to bring on a private equity partner. So now a great way to suss out if a private equity partner is right for you is if you, pre- if you talk about the dreams program. And they and get they, it. So I start to blank over. <laughs> then, you, then you know, you know. Yeah. But it was unbelievable. So the first day, I, I, the last three meetings, I thought I was going to lose my mind because I, I never had so many meetings in a day. And I actually felt like I was watching myself talking. And I was like, did I say that? And it was just weird. And then the next day, I thought, forget it. I'm just going to have fun now. So in one of the meetings, there was something about this guy that just I really liked. You could literally see the frowns on it, uh, the uh, the wrinkles, you know, that frown yeah. wrinkle here yeah. on his face in the beginning. But he he was there. He was present. He was he was one of the founders of the fund. It's over a billion dollars or two point something billion dollars. Just like a high power guy, authentic, down to earth. And I just said, I'm going to present my dream book to him, and I did it. Literally, I saw it disappear. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely crazy. Cause I think he'd had so many of these meetings himself and they're talking about like, okay, what's your strategy? How do you differentiate, et cetera. And then I presented this. It was so much fun. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that. It takes everything down to the personal level. And on that note, I know you, you have been in a highly acquis- acquisitive uh, mode. You've acquired a lot of companies. I can only imagine that this people centric culture kind of spreads very quickly, right? And you can win people over because typically when companies get acquired, there's a lot of reservations, what's going to happen to me. But if they become the center, they understand that they're the center of the organization, what they care about, what's important to them, their top 10 goals is critical to the entire organization. It's different. So can you tell us a little bit about the effect that this is at on uh, you effectively merging your acquisitions into your organization? You know, obviously it's who we are, so we lead with it right from the beginning. You know, we see how it resonates with the entrepreneurs that we're speaking to. And, you know, part of our approach is even in hiring where we're saying, if this doesn't resonate, then this probably isn't the best home for you. And we don't mean that negatively, but if it doesn't, it's not going to bring out the best. So the acquisition we did in 2016, we made every mistake you could imagine except go out of business. And they were very skeptical about the Dreams program. Like I heard some backdoor sort of gossip feedback that, no, they're doing this. They want to like 
dirt on your personal life. <laughs> they want to manipulate yeah. you yeah. and so forth of that. So, so we've had some of that. And there's some cynical people. I mean, I remember presenting this to a customer in New York once and he said, if you ever show this to my boss and he rolls it out, I will make sure your company gets fired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely not for everyone. But like I tell you now, like I look at the, the dream coach of my dream group. He came to us and quite a few of my dream group actually through an acquisition we did in New Jersey. Mickey has run groups through his church and he's one of the best dream coaches I've ever seen. They just took to it literally like that. And Andrew, who you met with, yes, Andrew's business, we closed that deal in December of 2021. Andrew already had his dream book done by January. Nobody asked him. He just got it and he loved it. It just creates this energy. So it really is a beautiful part of, or a big part of what I love, what I do, and where it does resonate with people in businesses that are joining us and we're merging with. It just has such a positive. It's like, you know, we, we, we were fortunate enough to make the Inc. 5000 again this year. And I look now, Banu, at the growth that we're experiencing. You know, I was flying back from LA on, on Sunday because I saw and I met with an amazing entrepreneur that might join us on our journey. I was just thinking, we're executing at such a fast rate. Like, when is too fast, you know? And like, I want to protect this because, you know, we can reach our goals, but if we ruin the culture and we ruin the quality of service, it's the beginning of the end and I won't enjoy it anymore. You know, if I think about one thing we can really lean into as a form of invisible glue, it's the dreams program. So the one thing that we do that I didn't tell you about is called a dream connect. So we, we ask everybody to reach out to anywhere between two to three people a month that you don't work with, schedule a dream connect 30 minutes, and just connect, just connect. So like I've got a whole lot of Dream Connects uh, next week with our team in Poland. I've actually never, I've never met them face to face. I'm going to go and uh, this is how the first engagement. I'm going to share my dream book with them. I'm going to open up right up front. And then they, we're going to be able to connect at a level that I don't know if I would have been able to connect. So you know, the Dream Connect piece is one way as uh, almost we've embraced this work from anywhere dynamic. We used to be a very in-office culture. And it's a, another way to create the connectedness without, you know, the in-office connectedness that you had as well. Yeah, you bring up something that when you first mentioned it is across across the globe, right? This is fascinating to me because I think it also is a way to breach the gap, cultural gap, right? And make sure that yes. people across cultural differences can work effectively together because they understand each other beyond just Yes. work and more at a personal and cultural level. So just curious, is that what you found? Because obviously you have team members across the globe. We used to have a team in Vietnam. It was fascinating. That was probably culturally the most different of, you know, all the regions that we had, you know, and, and like give you an example of like politically incorrect. In, in South Africa, rhinos are seen as sacred and it's like rhino poaching is like one of the most sort of hated and in Vietnam rhino horn is <laughs> that it is magical you know so so like there's one of the nuances you're trying to deal with you know across teams and we actually had a it was a South African guy his name was Hank Fisser that went there and managed that team but like their dream books had the same things time with their family be a great yeah. dad be a great mom 
fitness. I want to be healthier. Picture of their grandmother. I haven't seen her for two years. Want to go and see her. She's in Shanghai or something like that, you know. People want the same thing in life, you know. No matter where they come from, there's such commonality there. And there's some type of connection that happens in the human spirit when people do it in an authentic way. Yeah, ultimately, you're, you are in the technology space, right? Consultants in the technology space. And all of this, not only does it benefit the people, but ultimately, it has to flow to better customer experience, right? And that authenticity that through this culture comes has to uh, sort of resonate with your customers. Was wondering if you can speak a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, sure. The one piece and it's covered, it's covered in the power of full engagement. Initially, they advocated the idea that in an eight hour day, you're going to deliver more, be more engaged and do a higher quality of work than someone that's not balanced, that's working incessantly 16 to 18 hours day, hour days is not happy at home because they're not spending time at home. So, you know, the belief system for us is how do we help our people be the best version of themselves whilst delivering truly great work in a meritocratic culture? We use the balance scorecard as a performance measurement system. So just because you've got a dream book doesn't mean you don't have to perform. You know, so that's yes. the balancing act. And we deeply believe that if you're balanced and you are prioritizing the things in your life that are the most important to you, the customer's going to feel that. They're going to feel it on if you're talking to them over the phone. They're going to feel it in your communication. They're going to feel it in your responsiveness. They're going to feel it in the quality of your thinking and also the quality of your listening. Because you know, a lot of the time in our industry, we need to be good listeners. And there's nothing like a customer that feels heard in the midst of uh, lots of technology acronyms and, and you know, in, at an environment that's changing so quickly and so much. So, yeah, I think it's directly connected. You know, there's something about cultural leaders in a business that don't line manage a single person. Like we have this one guy, Andre Kirtland, who's absolutely amazing. He's probably one of the top He's probably one of the top Microsoft engineers in the world. Let me say top 50. Andre runs, I think he runs three dream groups. <laughs> People just want to get in his dream groups. It's just too many. He's like the, one of the brightest, most amazing human beings you can ever imagine. The work he does is just next level. And I know Andre couldn't fake this. He loves it. He loves it, you know. So in our professional services team, you know, that was another acquisition that joined us and they just took to it. They just took to it. You know, these guys are older and, you know, when they're kind of different stages in life, you've got someone in your dream group, you've had more experience so you can share. And the other layer of supporting the dreams of the doers from a purpose perspective is just by engaging in the dreams program and going to your dream group meeting, you actually having an impact on someone else's life. So it brings another layer of meaning, which is in the epicenter of the team you work in. I love it. I'm going to get to your mentor because I can't wait to hear that. But before I get to that, I just wanted to know, is from all the learnings you've had with DreamBook and the impact it's had to your organization, what are some key learnings? How are you seeing this evolving with your organization? Because you're obviously growing and looking to expand through partnerships, et cetera. We want to externalize the program in a way that we make the content and the approach and the methodology free for anybody to use. 
and we want to host external dream book creation processes for anybody that wants to join. So quite a lot of our, our people's families get involved and they do a dream book and so forth. So we want to, we want to externalize it because it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I was talking to Luca or Lulu, as I call her on the way to school this morning, and I was trying to explain to her that this idea that I never really thought I was very good at anything at school growing up. I wasn't bad at a lot of stuff. I mean, but I never really felt I was good at anything. And the idea that I can focus on what I want and work really hard towards it, I realized that's actually a superpower that anybody can learn. I don't know if she got all of it, but we have these amazing <laughs> discussions. But I was just trying to say to her, I said to her, no matter how pretty your friends are, how clever they are, how fast they can run, the thing that I think has the greatest impact will ever on your success. This was me talking to a three and a half year old in the car this morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> she was saying is, hey, focus and how hard you try, you know, <laughs> she's looking out the window. I was like, are you hearing me? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you something from, uh, from a mother who has three older uh, daughters now. I remember yes. precisely that I used to sort of speak to my daughters about all these great wisdoms, right? And I was telling my mom that I wasn't sure. Like, I just, it just feels like I'm wasting my time. It's great advice. I think it's great advice, but I don't know that they're interested or at that level. And my mom told me something that I truly believe it's true because I see it now is they will pick up pieces of it and will build on it. So I don't think everything you're saying is going to waste. I think it's actually really being affected with Lucas. So, but that being said, tell us a little bit, who's been that mentor to you? Obviously you're being a mentor to many at your organization and, and that's amazing, but who's been that role for you and, and how were they effective? There's so many, but I'll, I'll just, I'll I'll just talk about one for the purpose of, you know, just focus. So, you know, in my journey of wanting to understand private equity, which uh, for me, after six books, I still didn't feel like I understood it. And there were great stories, though. There was one, there was an essay by Orit Gadesh called Lessons for CEOs from Private Equity, which that I got. And then I read Adam Kofi's book, The Private Equity Playbook, and I just got it. It was just clear as day because he was the CEO of a CEO of many businesses that were private equity owned, did like 58 acquisitions and so forth and that. So then I stalked him. I found, I went on LinkedIn and I, I tracked him down. I got a meeting with him and this guy is just, just such an amazing, amazing human. You know, he's independently wealthy and like he doesn't have to work. We signed him up as, as a mentor slash coach at a, a price that I'm sure it was the lowest he ever signed up. <laughs> initially and we're feeling each other out and then we did a couple of workshops with him and then then it increased it increased significantly (laughs) but i'll give you one example of like the servant leadership of this guy who's i mean he was in the army he was a top leader general electric and then he started his career i mean so we were we were hiring a vp of corporate development we posted it on linkedin we use linkedin recruiter and adam shared it okay in four days, I had a hundred applications. I had to wow. stop it because it was just like, we couldn't, like, that's enough. <laughs> and so then we narrowed it down and there's some great tools within that. And, um, so whenever I did the initial interviews, I wanted Adam did the second interviews. He would respond literally within most times under five minutes with all the options 
and including Saturdays and Sundays if the candidate had time pressure because we were we, we had a deadline of when we wanted to hire. You know, sometimes he emails me back at something and says, like, how he believes in us. And, like, I can't believe this guy believes in us like this. It's like I still can't. It, it really impacts me. So, yeah, he's just a beautiful, beautiful human being. feel very blessed and grateful to have him in my life. And, yeah, if you want to understand private equity, I could not suggest a better book. It's, he just makes it so simple. And it's awful. If you want to know how to write a book and make a bestseller, he make it sound so simple. You'll never want to do it. Uh, but I love <laughs> like, that. I definitely, I will pick up the book and read it. So does he know about your dream book or has he yes. seen it? Okay. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Oren, really, really have enjoyed the, our conversation. Thanks for joining us. I know you're extremely busy, but really have enjoyed our topic and hope you'll come back and share more success with us. With that, as always, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions for myself or Oren, reach out at podcast.cantata.com. Thanks, Oren. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Benu. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.